0: What's up, everybody? Uh, So did anything happen this week? It's been a big news week, right? Has anybody been on social media this week? Not really? Any uh, arguments or vitriol or anything like that? Um, If you don't know, if you've been living under a rock, uh, Roe vs. Wade was overturned this past week, um, which for many people that love Jesus... That was a victory uh, and is a victory because of the harm that, uh, that abortion brings to people. It, it harms the baby, it harms the mother, it harms everybody all the way around. Uh, biblically, that's one of those issues that is indefensible. If you're a disciple of Jesus and you believe the Bible is the word of God and the Bible, uh, if you assaulted a woman that was pregnant and killed the baby, it was life for life. That unborn baby was a life. Uh, the, throughout history guys, Christians have, have adopted more children uh, they have taken in more babies uh, than any other segment of the population, even today uh, people say if, if Christians are so against abortion, why don't they just adopt the kids, well they do, matter of fact they adopt more kids than just about any other segment of the population um, there are 25 people waiting to adopt a child for every kid that's put up for adoption a lot of people don't know that um, This is one of those things that is just obvious if you study the scripture, like this is not debatable, but, but there is great cultural pressure to cave on this issue, isn't there? Like, do you guys ever feel like if you stand up for what the Bible teaches, there's going to be pushback? Do you ever feel that way? Are you guys awake this morning? Good morning. Welcome to the crossings. Did everybody go out last night and leave me at home, right? Um, this is one of those things that is, uh, it, it, there's a lot of pressure around. Guys, when you get into the political arena, um, there's all kinds of divisive issues, and there's things that can be debated. There's things that we can look at the other side. Guys, this is not one of those things. Like, this is so obviously against what God teaches that it, it's just, it's not debatable. Um, but it's an unpopular opinion, right? It's an unpopular opinion. And the more we move forward in life, the more opinions like this are going to be unpopular. Guys, the next generation that's coming up is a lot different from the generation that's in charge right now. And they're, uh, they're a lot more progressive on a lot of these issues, this being one of them. And so while this may be something that is up to the states, that's going to be Uh, banned in certain places, it's not going to stay that way, okay? But regardless of what our country says, this is wrong, but there's pressure, okay? Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because this is going on this week, and this is just, this is a good illustration of actually what we're going to look at in the scriptures today, because we're going to look at a story about a guy who took a very unpopular stance, and there was great cultural pressure to cave in to what everybody else thought. Uh, Mike is going to read our passage. We're in a series called "No Way Out." It's based on 1 Corinthians 10:13. Mike, can you read that passage for us, please? Every test you experience is the kind that normally comes to people, but God keeps His promise; that He will not allow you to be tested beyond your near power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it, and so provide you with the way out. What this passage teaches is that you're going to face tests in life. You're going to face temptation. It says that God is reliable. He's not going to leave you alone. You're going to be okay. He's going to be with you. It also says uh, that, that God is faithful in not allowing you to be tested beyond what you can endure with his help. And it also says that God is going to give you the strength to endure it, and he's going to provide a way out. This is true. Now, sometimes the way out is happy, okay? Um, Sometimes it's a good resolution. Uh, This isn't on your notes, but I want to show you Hebrews 11. Now, in Hebrews, they're talking about a bunch of old heroes of the faith, and they're recounting what happened to them. Here's where it goes. It says, uh, talking about these old heroes of the faith, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Okay, that sounds good. I like conquering kingdoms if I'm on the winning side, right? Administering justice. I like justice. Gained what was promised. Shut the mouths of lions. Quench the fury of the flames. Escape the edge of the sword. I like escaping the edges of the sword, don't you? Uh, whose weakness was turned to strength. Who became powerful in battle. Routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead. Raised to life again. That's a reference to the widow of Zarephath. Uh, in the Old Testament, guys, there are sometimes God provides a way out where it's happy, right? Like, oh, this is the way out. Awesome thing. There's a happy ending, right? Awesome. Let's go. Then there's times where God provides a way out, and you're like, that's not the way out that I asked for. Look on your notes. Which you got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's got most of these passages we're going to look at on there. On your notes, Hebrews eleven thirty-five b. There were others who were tortured. That doesn't sound like a good day, right? refusing to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeer and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into, two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. These were all commended for their faith. That doesn't sound like a great day though, right? Tortured, executed, killed by the sword, fed the lions, dressed up in goat skins and sheep skins you want to know why they did that in the roman arena it was because they were going to release wild animals that like to eat sheeps and goats right you were dressed like one wasn't a good day but what happened to those people that experienced that way out was that pleasant what happened to them church where'd they go are they still alive well technically in heaven yes they are you know that body might be dead but they get to go to heaven they get to be with jesus It wasn't a great experience. It wasn't the way out that they hoped for. But make no mistake, who who wins at the end of the day when you get to die and go be with Jesus? You do, right? You get to go be with him in eternity. So some people get mad because you're speaking up on behalf of Christ and they kill you. You stand before Jesus. You don't say, send me back. You say, praise God. I get my reward, right? This This was the way out for them. If they went through this unpleasant experience, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a story of a guy who takes a stand that's unpopular. He gets, his, he gets killed for it, but at the end of the day, he gets, he gets to be with Jesus, right? He gets to be with Jesus. The first recorded Christian martyr is a guy named Stephen, a man that was said to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He shows up first in Acts 6. I'll read this, uh, Acts 6, 3 through 5, brothers and sisters. Now, this is... Um, There was a a time in the early church where the Greek widows were not getting taken care of in the congregation. There was a a section of Greek widows. And so they got upset because they're like, hey, the church is supposed to take care of these widows. They don't have any way to feed themselves or pay their bills or anything. The the church was known for their compassion for people like this. And so they uh, raised a stink, uh, which needed to be raised because this was a problem. And the solution then given to them by the church leaders is to go choose people that can take care of this and go get it taken care of. You're right. This is a problem. that needs to be fixed. And so here's, here's where we are. Brothers and sisters, this is the instruction they got to fix this problem. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Now look at this. It says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. If you show up in the Bible, this is what you want to come after your name. You don't want it to be, uh, you know, Mortimer, the the dummy that nobody liked. It's it's Stephen, uh, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. I use the word Mortimer because nobody in here is named Mortimer. Um, Don't want you to think we're talking about you, right? Let me ask you, though, would others describe you as full of faith in the Holy Spirit? If the people that knew you, is this how they would describe you? People who spend time with you, would they describe you as someone who is full of faith and the Holy Spirit? Guys, that's a big deal to be described this way. You know, for Stephen, I wonder, like, what was Stephen like day to day, where he would be described by the people who knew him best as full of faith in the Holy Spirit? What was he like day to day? What did he talk about? What do you think? What did he talk about? What did he study? Like, how did he spend his free time? How often was he in the Word of God? How often was he in prayer? How often was he, whenever he spoke, speaking about things that matter, right? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing to have people say about you. Amen? Okay, but it, it takes, it takes a, a kind of person to have that description be what's on the lips of everyone. Yeah, we know this guy. He's, he's full of faith and the Holy Spirit, right? He's a great example Of a faithful disciple, and and look, he's going to keep being a good example. He's a great example of a faithful disciple despite great cultural pressure not to be a faithful disciple. Okay? You guys get that? In Stephen's day, there were a lot of people that didn't like Jesus at all. There were a lot of people that didn't like him at all. And so what I want to look at today is that we're just going to walk through Stephen's story. And we're going to see what can we see in Stephen's story and the way out that God gave him that we can apply to our lives, right? First of all, number one, I can remain faithful in the midst of opposition if, number one, I fortify my faith and speak wisely. If I fortify my faith and speak wisely, it says in Acts 6, verse 8. Now, Stephen a man full of God's grace and power. There it is, another really good uh, description of him, full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Okay, Stephen here is a teacher. Now he's going uh, around and he's talking about his faith. He's talking about his faith in Jesus Christ. Guys, this was not too long after Jesus Christ had been killed. In Jerusalem, he had been executed. Now he rose again after three days. He came back and instructed the disciples. They had that experience with the Holy Spirit in Acts two. The church was founded. Uh, it began to slowly grow. We're still in the very, very early stages of the church, though. Right here, this is uh, this is even before the Apostle Paul had become a Christian. This is uh, before that, and so this was just the first few years of the church. Stephen is a teacher, faith and wisdom shows up in what comes out of his mouth to the point that he's described as a man known of faith and wisdom. But then it says opposition arose as Stephen taught others about Jesus, because there were other powers present that were opposed to Jesus's lordship. Um, Guys, the Jews in, in the first century that had not converted to Christianity did not believe in Jesus. They believed Jesus was a blasphemer. Now, what blasphemy is, is just speaking uh, about sacred things like it's, they're, they're not sacred. You know, like if you, uh, you, you talk about God like, like a dog, uh, you know, that's, that's blasphemy. Uh, the Jews, guys, they didn't even pronounce the proper name of God. Like whenever they're reading their Bible and they came on the proper name of God in the scriptures, they would say the Lord. Like, they had so much reverence just for the name of God, they wouldn't even read it out loud. Like, they wouldn't say it out loud, because he's holy. You don't say his name. You just call him the Lord. Everybody knows who you're talking about, right? They really approached holiness in a, in, in a way that we could learn from as Christians. Like, they take holiness really seriously in a way that I think sometimes is lost on us. But they believed Jesus was a false teacher. So when Stephen came to town, and can you imagine, guys, if, if a false teacher came in our assembly and started teaching people and started leading people away from the source of life we would get bent out of shape about that right would you you guys are dead today come on now wake up uh, would you get bent out of shape if somebody came in here and started leading people away from Jesus I hope so if you love Jesus right well good I'm glad you do destiny uh, I do too um, it's, it's important to take care of people. Now, you've got to look at it from the other way, though. That's what the Jews thought Stephen was doing. Whenever Stephen came in to their assemblies and started talking about Jesus, they thought in their minds, this guy is leading people away from God, and he's teaching them to follow this blasphemer that we just had killed. We had executed for blasphemy. Which, by the way, that's why Jesus was killed. If you ever want to look at why he was killed, it was because of blasphemy. He called himself the son of God. He made himself equal with God. Did he call himself the son of God and make himself equal with God? Yes, he did. They misunderstood it, right? It wasn't blasphemy. He was telling them the truth, but that was the accusation. And so here comes this Stephen character back to the same group of people that killed Jesus. And this blasphemer that they had taken out. Now, this guy is coming and he's promoting the the, the blasphemer again, okay? I want to show you something. Uh, Leviticus 24, what did you do to, to blasphemers? In, in, in the Mosaic law? Well, in Leviticus 24, 13 through 16, this isn't on your notes, but we'll put it on the screen. This is from the old Mosaic law, okay? This is what the Jews followed as their, uh, as their law, their spiritual guidance. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside of the camp. This is what you do with blasphemers. Take the blasphemer outside of the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head and the entire assembly is to stone him. You wanna know what that means? It means they pick up rocks about the size of their fist and they hit, hit them in the head until they're dead. Okay? This still is practiced in the Middle East uh, among Muslim religions. People are still killed this way and executed this way. Uh, commonly, this is not something that, uh, like if you're a Christian in a Muslim country, you might, you might get killed by people hitting you in the head with rocks. More people are martyred today than have ever been martyred in history. Okay? A lot of people don't know that. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. There are more people killed today than have ever been killed in history. Go look up The Voice of the Martyrs. Google it, Voice of the Martyrs. Look it up. Subscribe to their newsletter. Read their stories, right? Christians all over the world today are still persecuted like this. But this is from the Old Testament. They, they are take, to take him out and stone him. Verse 15, say to the Israelites, anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to what? Be put to death. That's what it says in their law. The entire assembly must stone them, whether foreigner or native-born. When they blaspheme the name, they are to be put to death. The penalty for blasphemy is death. Okay, now you're a Jew and you know that. You also believe in Jesus, who was called a blasphemer, by the Jews. And so your bright idea is to go to an assembly... And talk about Jesus. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you at risk of? They're going to kill you. Unless you can persuade them. Now why the heck would you want to go persuade them? We'll talk more about that in a second. Verse 10 though. Back to uh, the Acts 6 passage. In Acts 6 verse 10 it says they could not, talking about the Jews, stand up against the wisdom, and, uh, the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. These Jews, these opponents, they could not stand up against Stephen because of the wisdom the Holy Spirit gave him. This right here says that the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say to these people. What does that tell you about this encounter that Stephen was having? Right. Okay. He um. He is going and giving a message from God to this group of people that thought Jesus was a blasphemer. Why would he do that at great risk to himself? Anybody have any idea why he might do that? Because I'll tell you what. It wasn't just because he was a troll. There's a lot of people that just like conflict. They just like conflict, to like conflict. One of the things I hate about politics and I hate about uh, hot button issues like abortion or homosexual (laughs) practice or gay marriage, some of these things that uh, are really hot button, like hot topics, and they are so divisive, aren't they? Does anybody in here have a friend that likes to argue about politics? Does anybody in here uh, have a friend that likes to get on social media just because they're a freaking troll? Okay? If you don't know what a troll is, it's an internet term where you just like to fight and you just like to make people upset. That's what a troll is. There are some people who live their lives like that. You know, the Bible talks about being discordant. If you go read Galatians 5, Uh, And and look at what it says about being discordant, being a discordant person. A discordant person is just somebody that gets in fights all the time, gets in arguments all the time. You can't take them anywhere without them picking a, a, a fight or getting into a contentious argument. They're divisive people, right? That's a sin. Sometimes it's a sin to engage in conflict. If you're engaging in conflict just to show how smart you are or just to one up somebody or just to win, like that's ungodly. What was Stephen's motive in going and engaging in this conflict with this group of people? Guys, what was going to happen to this group of people if they didn't change? What was going to happen to this group of people? They were going to go to hell. If this group of people did not change, they were going to go to hell. So God sends Stephen to this group of people, gives him words through the power of the Holy Spirit gives him words through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to this group of people. Why? Because God loves this group of people. God is compassionate toward this group of people. Stephen could have just been quiet, right? He could have just been silent. He could have just kept his opinions to himself. He could have kept his life. But he has compassion. For these lost people and he's not going and talking to them to be a troll or just to start an argument or just he's going and talking to them because these people are lost and they need Jesus and he knows guys these are his people if they don't connect with Jesus they're going to be lost forever and so he goes and he puts himself at risk and guys God may be calling you to do that too now it says over and over here that that Stephen was full of the spirit, Stephen whenever he spoke, it was like God was talking through him, right That's what we call wisdom, and sometimes there are people that uh, some of you in this room will make excuses and say, "I can't speak up because I don't know what to say." James one five okay the, now the problem is if you become resolved, now this isn't on your notes, I'm going to put it on the screen, okay? The problem is if you become okay with that. I'm just not going to speak because I don't know what to say. I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Okay? You need to pray about that. Look at what it says in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You say, I don't have enough wisdom to address this. What do you need to do? You need to pray about it, and you need to ask God for wisdom. You need to ask God to fill you up with wisdom. Wisdom, guys, is linked with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit, when you become a Christian, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. The Holy Spirit helps you see sin uh, the way you need to see sin. The Holy Spirit helps you be more like Jesus over time. The Holy Spirit helps you think like him, talk like him, and act like him. Guess what else you can pray for more of? Look at uh, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, this is Jesus talking, Though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So right here, Jesus says, you can ask for more of the Holy Spirit. You say, I don't have wisdom. I don't have the presence of the Spirit. Well, you need to ask Jesus for it. Ask him, are you in the habit of praying for wisdom and praying for more of the Holy Spirit in your life? This should be something you pray for every day. This should be something that you pray for every day. Why? Because God loves you and he also loves the people around you that are lost. And it could be that in your network, in your family, in your circle of friends, in your circle of influence, you may be the only person that knows Jesus Christ in that person's circle of influence, sphere of influence. If you don't speak up and say something wisely and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen to that person? They're going to be in trouble. Stephen was not a coward. He was not a coward. He knew that he was going to take heat if he spoke up. And so you want to think he prayed about this? Before he went to the synagogue to teach in hostile territory, do you think he prayed about this? Do you think he talked to Jesus about this? Do you think he was ignorant of what could happen to him? No, he knew what he was getting himself into. Guys, he had bathed this. I'm willing to bet. It doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm willing to bet because he was a man full of the spirit and full of faith. He spent a lot of time praying about this before he opened his mouth. He spent a lot of time seeking the counsel of God about this before he went and did this. And then he wasn't a coward. He actually did something. He actually went and spoke. He actually went and Used his influence in the community to make a statement. But guys, he did not have control over what they were going to do with it, did he? He didn't. And he laid that down. But he spoke up and he spoke with the wisdom he received from God. He's a good example for us. If you are content just being quiet your whole life in order to never have a conflict or never have an argument or never, you know, there, there are people that are lost as all get out. And you think, if I share what I think, they're going to be even more lost because they're going to cut me out of their life. Right. That's kind of the rationale we use. Guys, that's just you need to speak with the Holy Spirit. You need to speak with wisdom. You need to speak. You need to not sit on your hands. And tape your mouth shut and watch people go to hell. That's not okay. And that's not what Stephen does here. Secondly, I can remain faithful in the midst of opposition if, number two, I expect serious opposition. I expect serious opposition. Don't be surprised, guys. Don't be surprised. When you you can speak as full of the Holy Spirit and as Christ-like as possible, and people will still not be your friend anymore. People will still block you on social media. People will still talk bad about you. And guys, it's just gonna get worse. It's not gonna get any better. Your people are Jesus' people, right? Everybody else, who knows, right? Everybody else, they could turn on you. Stephen here, guys, I guarantee you some of the people that killed Stephen, Stephen had known them their whole lives. They were people that he had known since they were children. They're the ones that killed him, right? It says in Acts 6, uh, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, now this is after uh, they bring Stephen in before the Sanhedrin, And guys, just like they trumped up charges against Jesus and they had false witnesses come and and spread slander and lies about Jesus, they're going to do the same thing here. It says, uh, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, again, blasphemous words, guys, what's the charge? Blasphemy. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against the holy, this holy place and against the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. They saw his face was like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? Now, I just want you to notice, guys, they secretly persuaded. They lie. They produce false witnesses. Guys, the world does not play by the rules. You can come into a situation with the greatest of intention. You can have a completely pure motive in speaking up. You can have a completely mo- pure motive in, in trying to persuade. And then the people that you are trying to help in your heart can turn around and lie about you and do whatever they can to harm you because the enemy does not play by the rules. The enemy does not play by the rules. Guys, people under worldly influence will try to destroy you if you take a stand for what's right. They will. You need to expect it. Guys, as our culture progresses, it's going to get worse. I've been studying uh, our country and looking at statistics and I've I've got some projects I'm working on. So I've kind of been immersed in this stuff this past week. Um, Guys, in 20 years, the stuff that we're debating right now, we're going to be way further down the road on. Like in 20 years, things are going to be accepted that we would think are crazy. Why do I say that? Because 20 years ago, stuff we're expecting in our, uh, uh, stuff we're accepting in our culture now is crazy. Like if you had said 20 years ago, some of the stuff we're debating now, it's crazy, right? It's just going to get worse as we move forward. The Christian position on any number of issues, uh, you know, just life issues, guys, uh, like family, like what should a family look like? Uh, what, what's healthy? How should you raise children? All of these things are going to be contentiously debated. In our culture and the christian position is going to be minority if you if you follow the bible you are going to be a very minuscule minority in the future and if you speak up about your faith people are going to let you have it because that's how the world works and you better expect it and you shouldn't be a coward okay uh but we're going to have to train ourselves we're going to have to be in prayer we're going to have to be asking god for wisdom But guys, we need to be expecting the world to go this way. Jesus said to expect this in John 15. There are several passages where he refers to this, but this is one of them. Jesus says, just remember, when the unbelieving world hates you, they first hated me. If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love you and welcome you as one of your own. Jesus says this, guys, if you were to give your allegiance to the world, the world's going to love you. Do you agree with that? I do. If if you start pounding the drum of of whatever the fallen world is saying is okay and is moral and is right, if you start just repeating those talking points that all your friends are saying that don't love Jesus, guess what? You're going to be the world's going to love you. They're going to pat you on the back. They're going to they're going to have parades for you. Right? If you take those stances, you're going to be fine in terms of your reputation and your social influence and your social circles and all that, as soon as you start standing up for right, as soon as you start standing up for what Jesus says, Jesus says the world's going to turn on you. The world's going to turn on you. If you give your allegiance to the world, they will love you and welcome you as one of your own. But because you won't align yourselves with the values of this world, they will hate you. Guys, underline that. This is an assumption from Jesus, okay? If you follow me, your values are not going to line up with the values of the world. This is something Jesus states right here, okay? If your values are lining up with the values of the world, and there are people around you saying this is not right, this is not Christ-like, and you just lean into those values, you are putting yourself in trouble, And you're going to harm yourself and you're going to harm others. You have got to align your mind with Christ on these things. But guess what? You're not going to be popular in the world. People at work are going to talk crap about you. There's that Jesus freak. Freaking idiots, right? They're going to talk crap about you. People are going to try to get you fired. Why? Because they don't like you. They don't like what you represent. Okay? People are not going to like our church. Our church, we're going to get a reputation in the community. We're going to be hated. Why? Because I'm up here teaching. And I'm trying to teach the Bible. And if you try to teach the Bible in the world today, guess what? They're not going to like you very much. Right? And it doesn't matter what your spirit is. Just like Stephen, guys... Did Stephen have a pure motive in going to talk to these people? Yes. I want to pound that over and over again, okay? He had a completely pure motive. The world still chewed him up and spit him out. And guys, if you are an insecure person and you're coming to a church, as soon as a church starts taking a little bit of heat, it brings up that insecurity in you because you just want to be loved by everybody, right? I can't handle this. I got to get out of here. You take off. Why? you're insecure you're more worried about being accepted than you are following Jesus we can't be like that we got to put him first right and uh because you won't align, your, uh, align yourselves with the values of this world they will hate you he straight up says they're going to hate you if you don't pound the talking points they're going to hate you if you don't see eye to eye on this issue that is so obviously wrong in the Bible, take your pick, right? There's a lot of them. They're going to hate you. Just expect it. Go into it being resolved. To That's okay. Okay? Um, he says, so remember what I taught you, that a servant isn't superior to his master. And since they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. That's what Jesus says. He says, expect it. Now, um, we don't experience persecution in our country <coughs> on a level that they do in other places. Somebody might talk bad about us. Like I've never had anybody try to physically assault me. Um, I've never. I've had a lot of people talk bad about me. Um, I've had people unfriend me on social media. I don't really see that as persecution, right? <laughs> Like that to me, persecution like is another level. But guys, there are plenty of places in the world where persecution is a thing. Uh, Sierra Leone, Africa. We talk about Shadonke sometimes. Shadonke Johnson, uh, he's a leader in Sierra Leone, Africa. They've reached more Muslims in the last 15 years than have been reached in the last 1,500 years. Hundreds of thousands of people are becoming Christians in Sierra Leone, Africa. Uh, God is doing some amazing things over there. And and other places as well, like some of these unreachable places in the world uh, that are run uh, primarily Muslim countries, God is showing up in major ways. Hundreds of thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are becoming Christians. But when they're about to baptize somebody in Sierra Leone, uh, somebody decides they want to become a Christian. Sierra Leone is a very hostile country toward Christianity. Uh, they will say, do you believe, before they baptize them, they're taking the confession, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Are you ready to give your life to him? Yes. What if somebody holds a gun to your head and says they're going to pull the trigger if you don't renounce him? What are you going to (laughs) do? Be quiet, please, okay? Uh, What are you going to do? Well, they're going to, uh, they have to answer that the right way, or they say you're not ready for baptism. Either you're ready to let somebody shoot you for your faith or you're not ready for baptism. That's what they teach in Sierra Leone, Africa. And I've got friends that have gone over there and witnessed this. You know, this isn't just one of those stories we hear. I have friends that have gone over there and actually seen this stuff firsthand. And that's what they do. Now, that's a different level of commitment. Guys, would you be sitting here this morning? Would you have gotten baptized if that was legitimately something that could happen? They don't just ask that question to ask the question, guys. They ask the question because people are getting shot in the head over there for following Jesus. That's why they ask the question. I think sometimes whenever we look at commitment in places like that where persecution is a real threat, uh, there is a different kind of person that is in the church than maybe is over here in the States where we don't want to get baptized if somebody might talk bad about us at work. Okay? We need to... Excuse me, I don't mean to be crass and for the ladies in the room. We need to grow a pair. Okay? You need to step up and quit being a baby. Seriously. When I rub elbows with missionaries that are going to places in the world where they are buying their coffins before they go to the place because they know they're probably going to die there and they're willing to go because Jesus loves those people, and then we have people over here that get their feelings hurt and want to quit following Jesus because they got their feelings hurt? Give me a break. Grow up. Come on. We need courageous people to stand up and take a stand and quit being babies. Grow up and grow up here. Step up. We need courageous people that are going to speak up and quit being, quit coddling the culture. We don't need to be unkind. We don't have to be unloving. We don't need to speak unwisely. But guys, you can take a stand and be kind. You can teach the Bible and not be mean to people. One of the things that I think is lost on me is when somebody disagrees with me strongly. I don't need to have contempt for them. When I feel rejected, that's my go-to. Well, you want to give me the finger? I'll give you two back. Right? Like that's not nice. But kids, don't do that. Um, that's unchristlike, and I recognize that in myself. I need to recognize that in myself because that's going to be the temptation I face. Whenever somebody gives it to me, my my response, my inclination is going to be to answer that back with contempt or to hold it against them. One of the things that's amazing here about Stephen is he doesn't do that, okay? And we'll talk more about that in a second. That is super duper important. Thirdly, though, I can remain faithful in the midst of opposition if, number three, I respond with God's word. I respond with God's word. It says... Uh, in Acts 7. Now, I, leading up to this, before we read the passage, I didn't put it all on here because it was, it's long. Like if you want to go read Acts 7, I encourage you to. It's a pretty good chunk of, of text. But what Stephen does when he's brought into this assembly and he has these false teachers uh, heap this abuse on him and, and honestly just lie about him, His response in the Sanhedrin, which the Sanhedrin was a formal court. So you can just think of this like a religious court for the Jews. They had the power of life and death, right? He gets up in this religious court with these people that were all familiar with the Old Testament who believed it was from God and believed that uh, that their law needed to be from God. And so they were going to follow that. He gets up and he recounts Old Testament history. To this group of people. He goes through and he starts with Abraham. And he talks about Abraham. Then he talks about Joseph. And he's just kind of telling the story of God. And then he talks about Moses. And how, you know, God made the people into a nation. Uh, He noted how Moses had initially been rejected. If you go read uh, the story of Exodus, when Moses first goes to the people, they reject him. Who made you ruler and judge over us, you know? Then he goes through and he starts talking about some prophets that the Jews rejected over the years. Because what the Jews did when God would send them a prophet is they'd usually kill them, right, in the Old Testament. They didn't like what they had to say. Well, they were going to die, more than likely, at some point. And so he goes through and then he says, just like you guys rejected the prophets, our ancestors rejected the prophets, now you're rejecting Jesus. And he he points to Jesus, this blasphemer right? This blasphemer, quote unquote. You guys are just treating him just like you've treated all God's prophets. So now he's really stepped in it. Okay. He says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it. Man, he just bang, boom, boom, yeah. Look, who, who is he speaking under the inspiration of? He's speaking by the Holy Spirit, right? He is speaking the word of God under the inspiration and in guidance of the Holy Spirit. He is speaking wisdom. This is a stern rebuke. Some might even look at this and say, that's kind of mean. How could he do it? He calls them stiff necked. That's not nice. Called them a name, right? Stiff necked people. He needed to be more like Jesus. He's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He gives them a stern rebuke. Who is this rebuke ultimately coming from? It's coming from God, okay? Why in the world did God want Stephen to go and risk his life to rebuke these people? Again, guys, who does God love? He loves these people. Okay? You, think about, you think about that person that you have a disagreement with, contentious disagreement. Some of you guys, your disagreements are in your families over your faith. You think about those people who are awkward to sit with at Thanksgiving because of your belief systems, Right? Guess what? God loves them. He loves them so much. He has so much compassion for them. He he wants to open the floodgates of heaven and just rain down his blessings on them. Right? He loves them that much. He gives them a strong rebuke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, what could they have done at this point? Well, they could have repented. These Jewish leaders in the story of Stephen, they could have repented. But Stephen doesn't have any control over that. Just like you and I, we don't have any control over the reaction of others, right? We don't have any control over that. He doesn't have any control over what the Jewish leaders would do. He only has control over his own words and action. Guys, and his speaking to them is an act of God's grace. God used Stephen to speak his words to those leaders. And guess what? God would love to use you to speak his word. He would love to use you. He would love for you to be full of his spirit and full of his wisdom so that you have something to share. Fourthly, I can remain faithful in the midst of opposition if, number four, I maintain my focus on Jesus no matter what. I maintain my focus on Jesus no matter what. Now, Stephen could not control the actions of the other men present. Their hearts were unchanged, and their response was completely ungodly. It says in Acts 7, verse 54, "...when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing by the right hand of God. Okay, wow! They start to kill him, they drag him out, they start to kill him. He sees a vision of Jesus in heaven, standing at the right hand of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is standing up? Because most of the time when you look in the scriptures and it talks about Jesus in heaven, talks about him sitting at the right hand of God. It's almost like he stood up to watch what's going on here. And so Stephen has this vision of him. He's looking at him. He says, uh, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, these Jewish leaders now. They all rushed him. They dragged him out of the city. They began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul while they were stoning him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus on the cross, doesn't it? And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Guys, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God watching this go down. Stephen is keeping his eyes on Jesus as he is being killed by a mob. By a mob. And then at the end, Jesus, don't hold this sin against him. Don't hold this sin against him. When I face opposition, my heart goes into protection mode. When I'm attacked, like in, in my base, guys, in my, in, like in my carnal nature, when I'm attacked, my heart goes into protection mode. I need to attack back. I need to, if that person hits me once, I need to hit them twice harder, right? I need to win. Uh, that's not what Stephen does. Like he he goes in, he gives these people a message from God. They don't like it, and they decide to kill him. He still does not let his heart go into contempt mode, where suddenly they're just a bunch of fools who deserve to be fodder in hell. They're worthless human beings. Which, by the way, contempt is just looking down and thinking, thinking people are not worthy of consideration or thinking that they're worthless. They should just die and, and go away. That's contempt, right? You're just a piece of crap. That's what you think about people when you're contempt, contemptuous. He doesn't let his heart go there. Guys, Jesus, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he's praying for the forgiveness of the people who hung him there, they're jeering and making fun of him in front of his mom as he's dying and he's praying for their forgiveness. He didn't have a heart full of contempt. So what contempt does is it demeans and debases and dehumanizes. But what the Spirit of God does is regardless of how a person is acting, man, you're still holding out hope for that person. Guys, again, what is going to happen to these Jewish leaders if they don't repent? It was an act of grace for God to send Stephen to go and speak to them. It was an act of mercy for God to send Stephen to go and speak to them. Under the Holy Spirit and by wisdom, it was because God wanted to reach them. And Stephen keeps his eyes on Jesus. I, the only reason he doesn't go to contempt land is because he had his focus on Jesus Christ. What is Jesus Christ like? Who does Jesus Christ pray for? What is Jesus' response when people are mean to him? Or when they, when they had him killed? What was his... I mean, he still was full of love. Because Jesus didn't want those people to be lost. And he let his heart, he didn't let it get uh, sullied by hatred and contempt. It's going to get harder and harder to be a Christian in our country. We live in a pluralistic, secular land. Uh, There are basic, there's basic stuff in the Bible that uh, is going to be unpopular to believe. Like a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. Uh, The nuclear family matters. Like a lot of the teaching in the Bible is about how to have a good family, like a whole lot of it. How to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good friend, how to raise children, right? All of that is up for grabs in our culture. Uh, Disciplining your kids is demonized. There are going to be people who are put in jail for disciplining their children, the way the Bible says to discipline their children. There are going to be people who uh, are are sued for hate speech, for teaching the Bible within our lifetimes. I guarantee it. There's going to be more battles to come uh, in terms of our culture. There's going to be battles for you around your kitchen table. There's going to be things that are not okay that people introduce to your family. Uh, There are going to be things that you have to stand up for if you're a disciple. If you don't want to be a disciple, then okay. The retirement plan is not as good. It's really bad, in fact. Um, If you want to be a disciple, there are going to be things that you have to stand up for. Period. Like there are things that are just indefensible that our culture is accepting now. Um, what you must not do, what you must not do, what I must not do, is as people disagree with you, as people are mean to you, as people spread rumors about you, as people talk terribly about our church, as people call us a cult or Jesus freaks or whatever they want to call us, As people do that, you're going to have to decide, am I going to cave to this cultural pressure that I'm feeling? Am I going to cave in because people are talking bad about me or spreading rumors about me? Am I going to be quiet because of this stuff? Am I going to let my heart go into contempt mode? What we do not need are more people arguing on Facebook. That is not what we need. We do not need uh, more Christians with megaphones going out and and screaming at students at our universities. We don't need that. What we do need are people who love Jesus and love people to go out in the world and love Jesus and love people. That's what we need. And guess what? That sounds really innocent. Oh, love Jesus and love people. You go out and you love Jesus and love people and the world is going to hate you. That's what Jesus says. Guys, there is no simple way for me to say, like, if you want to be popular in the world, you need to get out of church. Seriously. If you want to be popular in the world, just get out of here. But if you want to love Jesus and serve Jesus and not worry about that, guys, welcome to the crossings. This is a place where you can learn to follow Jesus. And we're going to try to do that. And guess what? We're going to blow it sometimes. Aren't you glad he's graceful with us? Amen? Amen. We're going to close out this morning. Um, I want to call your attention to something that's in your bulletin before we do that. Uh, Does everybody have a flyer for the CMU workshop, Campus Ministry United workshop? Okay, this is something that we put on annually for our college students. But the content is such that it's actually really good for everybody. Um, So if you are free... Or if you can get freed up, uh, July 7th through the 9th, we're going to go to our sister congregation, uh, the Crossings Church, St. Charles County. We'll be at Christian High School in O'Fallon, Missouri. There's going to be people from all over the country uh, that come to this. There's a few hundred. uh, There's other campus ministers and and ministries and stuff. But we're only charging five bucks for our church members to go. Uh, Now, students are $40 normally. um, But for Crossings Church members, it's only five bucks to go. Uh, We would love for you to go, and even if you can't go the whole time, if you can just go over there and take in some lessons, bring yourself a notebook. There's going to be some really good teachers up there. Man, take some notes. It's going to be a good time to get into the Word of God and learn and apply the Word of God. There's going to be some awesome worship uh, and also just some great time of fellowship with our uh, friends from other places. So we would love for you to attend that. Uh, Go ahead and put that on your calendar Uh, I encourage you to, I will be there all three days. um, and I'll be teaching a class there and stuff, but we have a whole lot of good stuff happening there. So I would encourage you to go to that. Uh, additionally, as we close out, there is a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. Uh, that's called the crossings communication card. If you don't mind, uh, everybody, please pull that out. Um, this is kind of how we take the pulse of the congregation. A lot of times is, uh, you know, what's going on in your lives. Um, that has, uh, place on there for you to fill out some information for yourself. It has a place on there. If you've got any prayer needs, you can write your prayer needs down there and we'll have uh, people pray for you. Um, There are a lot of other types of services that we offer here at The Crossings to help people with various life issues. Um, if you are struggling uh, with the pornography addiction, if you're going through a divorce, if you're struggling financially, uh, if you're struggling with anger or unforgiveness or whatever, if you have a life issue that you feel like you need help with, uh, we are going to be offering a couple of different Manasseh classes this year. Um, Later, I think in August, we're going to offer Healing is a Choice for men and women, and we're also going to offer Wounded Heart for men. Uh, Healing is a Choice is a class. It's, a, I think, a 12-week course. Is it that long? 10 or 12. I can't remember. But um, it helps you deal with general life issues. Uh, it's really, really good. It's just taking the Bible and applying it to your life. So if you are carrying around anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or just grief and sadness, like it, it, that class is really good. Uh, Wounded Heart is a class for people that were uh, sexually abused as children, where we take the Bible, we apply it to that specific situation. That's something that I was personally uh, affected by. I was molested when I was a kid. Wounded Heart helped me a whole lot uh, with a lot of that stuff because it's just taking God's truth and applying it to that trauma. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Uh, again, that was, that's just for men. We will be offering one for ladies at another time um but if you're interested uh you can see me or you can indicate it on your card if there's anything else on that card that you need help with or that the crossings can assist you with guys if you are just investigating a relationship with God uh and you want somebody to sit down and talk with you about that we'll get you together with a couple of our leaders here uh like our small group leaders and uh and they'll take care of you one last thing uh we are a church of small groups uh, some of you may know that, some of you may not. Uh, what I mean by that is anything you see that happens that's good on a big scale happens at the crossings because something good on a small scale happened first. And so uh, the early church, the way the early church expanded was they had big meetings like what we have right here, but then they often were in homes together. And and that's the primary way that the early church uh spread was really through homes. Believers would get together, they'd share a meal, they'd you know, talk about their faith. That was the early church, uh, was really around tables and in, in, you know, in living rooms. Um, we try to replicate that here with our small group ministry. So uh, every single person that's a member of the crossings is also a member of a small group. And attendance is expected. And if you're not interested in joining a small group at the crossings, you know, we just tell people, hey, this probably isn't a good church for you. Because everything we do in terms of taking care of people kind of functions through our small group ministry. Um, So if we're going to, as leaders, take care of this person, well, we can only do that in the way we're structured in that small group. Uh, So if you haven't plugged into a small group, if you've been coming for a little bit, if you want to check one out, uh, if you're an adult, we've got a couple meeting today. Uh, You can come over to our group. I think we're going over to the Veperts if you want, me and Ariel. Um, but we've got multiple groups. We've got different ages. There's teens, there's uh, college students and all that, Um, but we would love to get you uh, connected however we can. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to close out. God, I want to thank you for bringing us together today. Uh, I want to pray that as we uh, move into our afternoon that you bless us. Uh, God, I pray, you know, I spoke pretty strongly this morning. Um, I pray that My speaking this morning was from the Spirit and not from my own self. Uh, And I pray that if anything uh, ungodly was said, that you will just help us see that. Uh, But God, if what I said was true and from you, I pray we will apply it to our lives. Uh, I pray for the lost among us, Lord. Uh, There are so many people around us that are outside of a relationship with you that don't know what they're missing. I pray you help us be a people who will be kind and compassionate and bold to speak up, uh, and to help people, Lord. Help us to have your heart, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.